Hey there, teacher friend. You are listening to episode 43 of the Teacher Time Podcast. This month, we are focusing on how to simplify teaching for the end of the school year. And one way to simplify teaching is to have a clear-cut system for grading. So in this episode, I am sharing how grading rubrics can make it easier for you to get your grades done in less time. I'm sharing why you have to be using grading rubrics, quick tips for getting started, and actual examples from my own grading rubrics. Let's jump in. Welcome to the Teacher Time Podcast, a space where teachers are empowered to take control of their prep time so they can enjoy their time off guilt-free. You know how teachers are always working long hours? Here, we're changing that norm together by tackling your biggest productivity questions and planning challenges. I'm your host, Stephanie Polovchik, kindergarten teacher, toddler mama, and your very own productivity mentor. I know what it takes to get your important tasks done so you can consistently work your scheduled hours as a teacher, and I'm sharing it all with you here. In this community, we believe that you can be an effective teacher without sacrificing your free time. So let's ditch that constant cycle of overwhelm for teacher time strategies that work. Why? Because your time matters. Hello, hello. I am so excited to talk to you about today's topic, grading rubrics, because once I started using these, oh my goodness, it was such a game changer. So before we jump in and talk about why grading rubrics are so helpful, how to set one up for yourself, and some examples, I want to rewind a minute and talk to you about why not using grading rubrics is such a time suck. So when you don't use grading rubrics, the whole process of grading just ends up being more time consuming and less effective. So I'm speaking from experience here and I'm going to tell you a quick story that about when I didn't use grading rubrics and just like the pain that it caused me. Um, But when you don't use grading rubrics, you end up feeling confused about where students are when it comes to like their proficiency levels. And oftentimes we end up wasting time figuring out what grades students should get when it really can be a very clear cut process. And then as a result, this can end up giving you less informed instruction. So grading rubrics, we're going to talk more about you know, why you have to have them. But in short, they really can just clarify everything from what grade your student should be getting to how you can best teach your students based on where they fall on those grading rubrics. So I want to talk to you about when I didn't use grading rubrics. So when I taught second grade, it was my first two years of teaching, I was a second grade teacher, and I only used rubrics for writing. I did not use rubrics for any other subject. I did have a grade book, but it was mainly used to keep track of what students handed in. And then um, like for math, we always had test grades. And so I would would record those test grades, which were, you know, numbers based. And the writing rubrics, they laid out each proficiency level and the criteria for those. So this gave me 
a very clear understanding of where my students were developmentally, which then helped inform my instruction and give my students grades quickly. How frustrating do you think it was for me to figure out grades for the rest of my subjects? It was pretty frustrating. Like I have vivid memories of sitting in front of my computer in my classroom, trying to fill in grades on report cards and just feeling like I, I felt frustrated because I knew I needed to give my students objective grades. Um, and I didn't have a clear process for doing that. And so it just, it took a while. It took longer than it should have because I was trying to figure it out on my own without a rubric. So that's kind of like a little picture and a glimpse into what it could feel like if you're not using grading rubrics. And if you haven't used grading rubrics before, maybe you can relate. Let me know. If you have, then you probably know how much easier they can make the whole process of grading. We're going to talk about that. But also, I want you to use this time if you have been using grading rubrics to just reflect on if you've been using them well, if they've been serving you as well as you feel like they could. So I want to talk to you about why using grading rubrics is a more effective and efficient approach to grading. So grading rubrics are more effective and more efficient for a couple of reasons. First of all, they really help clarify what the expectation is for each proficiency level. So I'm not talking about numbers grades here. I am talking about the progression of learning. And so I'm talking about from when students are like developing towards meeting a skill all the way to when they are meeting or even exceeding that skill. Grading rubrics can also help you save time because when you use them, you won't be trying to figure out what grade a student should receive. It will be a very clear cut answer. Um, and then they're also just, they're less subjective and more objective, which is how we need to be grading our students. We need to have clear cut expectations for what it looks like when they are meeting a skill and what it looks like before they're meeting that skill and then even after. This also, as a result, makes getting report cards done way easier and way less time consuming because you already have the grades in front of you. You already know where they fall. So I talked to you about when I taught second grade and how I did not use grading rubrics for every part of the day or every subject that I taught rather. Um, when I started teaching kindergarten, I knew that grading was an area that needed to be taking less of my time and frustration. So I sat down and I wrote out grading rubrics for each standard. And oh my goodness, it has made a world of difference. Now, what I will say is it definitely took some time up front to sit down and map that all out. But as I was doing that, like I was super motivated because I remembered what life was like before I was using grading rubrics. And I knew that I needed a tool that would help me clearly, quickly, um, 
and effectively grade my students. Um, and also, now that I have been using them for a while, I've learned a few tips and tricks that can help you get them done faster than I did at first. So I am definitely going to be sharing those tips with you in this episode, too. All right, kindergarten teachers, listen up. I have got grading rubrics that are already done for you. These are based on the Common Core State Standards, and they have everything you need to set clear grading expectations in math and literacy. These grading rubrics include grading rubric overviews for each literacy and math Common Core State Standard. You can think of these as like your grading cheat sheets. They give clear criteria for what a student should be doing to receive a grade of developing, progressing, meeting, and exceeding. Inside of this resource, you also get mastery checklists for all literacy and math standards to help you see all grades of all students in your class on one sheet. You'll also get a by student grading rubric, so you can use this rubric to score each student one by one, and it includes the expectations for every single strand. You can see a preview of these rubrics in my Teachers Pay Teachers store or check them out here at the link www.teachinglittleleaders.com forward slash kindergarten rubrics. So now that we've talked about why you really need to be using grading rubrics and how they can save you a lot of time in the long run, I want to talk to you about some tips for creating grading rubrics. Because like I said, this was a time-consuming task up front, but I've learned a process that can help you get them done a lot faster than I did um, up front. And also, if you're wanting to read a little bit more about this topic specifically, I do have a blog post called How to Use Grading Rubrics to Save You Time. And so I will link that in the show notes. Um, it's just kind of like more of a written form of what we're going to talk about on this episode, if that sounds interesting to you. Okay, so quick tips for writing your own grading rubrics. I like to use a Google Doc because... It's easier to go back and edit as needed because you may, you know, you may write out your rubrics and realize, I think this needs to be adjusted a little bit. So I love a Google Doc because it's easy. You can collaborate with team members on it. So it doesn't all have to, you know, be something that just you do. Um, and it's just easy to, to access and change. And then what I would say is to make sure that you're listing out all of the standards that you teach along with the proficiency levels. So, for example, developing, progressing, meeting, and exceeding. And if you um, have to give students like letter or number grades, apply each of those proficiency levels to whatever grade it is that you have to give students. So for example, um, if you have to do letter grades, for example, or number grades, maybe a one is developing, a two is progressing, three is meeting, and four is exceeding. And I want you to fill in the expectation first. So start with that meeting goal. What is it that you expect students to do when they are meeting a skill? Really fill in that criteria, 
criteria first so you can be clear about what is expected because from there you can identify what students might be doing before they reach that criteria and after. Now, if you teach a higher grade level than kindergarten, you can also refer to the standards before and after your grade level. So um, that can help you as well and help inform your criteria. Um, and then I'm going to give you an example of from one of my grading rubrics in that kindergarten grading rubrics resource. Um, and if you want to also see one like visually what that looks like, you can head to that blog post because I have those pictured as well. So here is an example from one of the kindergarten standards. So the standard is with prompting and support, compare and contrast the adventures and experiences of characters in familiar stories. So basically being able to compare and contrast what happens with characters in stories is the standard. And so I'm going to, like I suggested to you, I'm going to start by telling you what the meeting grade level criteria is. And that is that the student can tell how character experiences are the same and different in familiar stories with teacher support. So that might look like the teacher asking, how are these two characters the same? And then asking, how are these two characters different? What happened that was different in the story to the characters? Just kind of like asking them questions. And then let's go exceeding. So from there, what would be exceeding is that the, students is do the student is doing that independently. So they don't need you to guide their thinking. Um, they can on their own talk about how the experiences of the characters are the same and different. And then let's jump down. So if you're looking at the progressing section of that standard, that would look like the student telling how character experiences are the same or different with teacher support because the standard is that they can do both. And so the step below that would be, maybe they're only able to articulate how it's the same, but articulating how the character experiences are different is something that they have not been able to do yet. And then to go one step below that, that kind of like developing category, that would be being able to identify the characters in the stories, maybe talk about who the characters are, um, in the stories and like what they do, but not being able to articulate the differences and similarities between their experiences. So I hope that hearing um, an example and about just the process of figuring out what the expectations for each proficiency level are. I hope that that's been helpful for you um, to kind of get started with your own grading rubrics, because like I said, it might take a little bit of time up front, but it is well worth it to know that you are grading your students effectively um, and efficiently. Because once you then know where they fall on those proficiency levels that you have mapped out in your rubrics, you can then teach them more effectively because you know where they're falling short or where they need to be challenged more. 
Um, so remember, if you are a kindergarten teacher, I do have kindergarten grading rubrics already done for you. I'd love for you to go check those out, see if they could be useful for you. That link is in the show notes. Um, and then I will also link that blog post, how to use grading rubrics to save you time. So you can see some visuals of the grading rubrics and just read a little bit more about time-saving tips for setting those up. Thank you so much for listening today. I will talk to you next week. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you loved what we talked about here and want to connect further, you can find everything you need on my website, www.teachinglittleleaders.com. And if you loved this episode in particular, share it with your teacher friends by taking a screenshot and posting to Instagram stories. Make sure to tag me at teachinglittleleaders so I can see it and reshare. I'll see you next Tuesday. Have a fabulous week.